What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to The Window, Canada's sports betting podcast. Ahead on today's episode of The Window, Aho matey. Sebastian fires one in with a little help from his friends, and us Canes backers breathe a sigh of relief. The Bruins finally beat Varlamov in overtime. Why, I'd bet that over again, but there's another bet I like on Saturday. Putting us out of our misery, the Blazers and Lakers go meekly into that good night. Why, I'm passing on Clippers Mavs, but really interested in the series that start this weekend. It's time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome to The Window. I'm your host, Matt Russell. Big Friday show with lots going on this weekend. Uh, Last night, Boston and the New York Islanders. Let's get right into it. 2.07 to 2.07 in the expected goals for. That seems almost impossible. Uh, 9-9 in the high danger chances at even strength. So right there, you go, okay, that's an evenly played game. That game goes to overtime. The Islanders were the team that got the high danger chance at even strength, but Boston gets the overtime goal. Which, you know, sort of annoying for us who talked about the over yesterday. Um, Again, right, if there's anything that can go wrong, it will go wrong when it comes to betting totals. And we had 4.14, right, 2.07 times 2, 4.14 expected goals for at even strength during the game. And Semyon Varlamov decides, yeah, this is the game that I'm going to be outstanding because, you know, while both teams had the same amount of high danger chances, you know, not all of them are necessarily created equal. And I felt like Boston had the much better of it when it comes to the those chances seemed like they should have gone in a little bit at a higher rate than uh, than the Islanders did. And so, you know, 4.14 expected goals for it, even strength on a total of five where, you know, we're not even factoring in power play, shorthanded, all of these other you know types of goals. I would do that again, right? If you told me, pick a game, right? Pick a game tonight, pick a game this weekend, even make the number five and a half. If you're telling me the expectation is four goals at even strengths, I'm certainly going to bet the over on a five flat and probably would still do it at five and a half. That being said, the game goes to overtime. And thankfully, because again, you know, our primary bet in this series is Boston to win the series is Boston to come out of the East division. You know, we come in and we go, okay, you know, what's lost is lost here at 1-1. Probably felt like it should have been 2-2 at the very least going to overtime. But we'd need Boston here to get this win to take the 2-1 lead. And we get it because Varlamov, for as good as he was during the, you know, regulation portion of the program, he absolutely whiffs on a Brad Marchant wrist shot into the top corner and Boston gets the victory. That, of course, I think sets up you know, we've got this pivot, you know, every game's pivotal, right? It was pivotal yesterday. One team was going to take a two to one lead. Wasn't that worried about the Islanders potentially taking a two to one lead with regards to the Bruins and the series bet actually would, would have kind of been interested in it, especially if it had meant that we had hit the over because I would have just taken that and put it on the Bruins to win the series at what probably would have been pretty close to a pick So now that you've got Boston here and we saw after one, one losing home ice advantage, we saw that their price still was minus 200 to win the series. And so I think, you know, with this game coming up on Saturday, Islanders here are plus 120, plus 125. I think this is the game they get. Uh, Again, the game yesterday, obviously, I was going to say closer than it looked, but, you know, it was really just only not close from a shots on goal standpoint with Boston racking up, I think, close to, if not over 40 shots in that game. And so for Saturday's game, the Islanders plus 120 or better are going, is going to be the play um, on that in that series for uh, for the money line there. Um, and then last night, the big game, right? The one where you know I tweeted out after the overtime goal, we needed that one like we needed air to breathe. We've got Carolina and Tampa Bay, and of course, ironically, uh, we get the win despite the fact that Tampa Bay played their best game from an even strength standpoint. And again, pretty evenly matched here, 2.55 to 1.81. Obviously, a little bit more uh, towards Tampa than you would have liked, right? As we go, you know, as we look at these teams' home away splits, you know, we'd 
we'd expect, you know, Tampa Bay to be maybe like a 2.2, something like that, if Carolina is going to be a 1.8, and 15 to 10 in the high danger chances. So again, another one of these games, and you can go back to the regular season where we would talk about these two teams racking up high danger chances in their games with each other, right around 25, like they had last night, and these games somehow not going over. Same thing happened yesterday, right? Like that game should have gone over, but Peter Morazic gets the call in net. We talked about that yesterday, how, you know, would be surprised if they went to him, but at the same time, like it's not the most insane thing ever. I don't know that it's a, you know, blame Nadelkovic type of a game. Sometimes it's just, you know what, let's just switch it up. Let's just try to get a different vibe going, right? And maybe, you know, maybe they did see something that Tampa Bay um, had in Nadelkovic though, again, that would seem pretty unlikely. So Carolina gets one out of their 10 high danger chances, but Tampa Bay goes 0 for 15 on their high danger chances. And again, is that Mrazek? You know, in part, I think so. Impressive for him, unlike Robin Leonard, you know, from a couple of days ago, he comes in having not played at all in that first round, and he comes in and looks great yesterday, so I'd expect him to play in this next game. So we go to overtime, you know, by the way, like we were, able to, we were able to get the plus 150 when the podcast published yesterday, but that dropped pretty quickly back down to plus 130. But as we talked about on the podcast, you know, the number in this series is going to be consistently pretty close to around Pickham. And so when we look ahead here to this next game, first of and foremost, like we have to feel pretty good to kind of be out of this three game set here where, you know, Tampa Bay scores last night in overtime, or obviously before the overtime, and we're down 3.2 units for the entire series with also a three-game deficit on a series that we need to at least go six games, and we're certainly hoping goes seven, and that's the swing, right? It's a really kind of a big swing when, you know, I'm going to say Ajo scores the goal, but, you know, apparently it went off of Stahl's leg, was barely if it did. But, you know, Carolina scores that overtime goal on the power play, and that's a massive swing because now we're only down essentially 0.7 units for the series price uh, and all the, or excuse me, for the games within the series. And for the series price, you know, now we're very much back in play for a series that could go seven games. But, you know, now we look again towards Saturday here, and we've got. You know, we don't have the plus 150 that we're able to jump at. It's the more sort of stabilized plus 135, which, again, makes a lot more sense than bumping it all the way up to plus 150 just because Tampa uh, is playing at home and Carolina's on the road. Like, that never really made a ton of sense and, of course, was corrected within the marketplace. So it's back to plus 135. Is there value on that? Um, yes, my number is minus 117 for Tampa. That's putting in, obviously, home ice. That's putting in the fact that they lost the previous game, which, again, I think matters when it comes to, you know, on a game-to-game basis. You have to sort of gauge for yourself how much you think that that matters. Um, you know, is it a 5% swing? Yeah, I think that's probably pretty fair, right? And we have used that up until this point, and it's gone pretty well, um, you know, throughout the playoffs. And, uh, you, know, you know, we're not complaining. So... You know, my number here is minus 117, plus 117, so there is still a little bit 3% value on Carolina, but that's in a vacuum, right? That's a just a game-by-game game type of a situation, whereas obviously we're talking about within the construct of a series, and because we have investments in the series, you know, we don't want to be overweighted, right? Like, it felt like really... Um, uncomfortable to be as overweighted as we were with Carolina going into that game. Felt a little bit better when they went to up to nothing. When they gave up two power play goals to Tampa Bay to tie the game, didn't feel as good. So, you know, again, I'm looking to just stay away in this game, knowing that it's pivotal in our end game goal here to get this to seven games here. Because again, we have this ending in seven. We have Carolina to win this game, to win the series in seven plus 450. And of course we have Carolina on the series price. So, you know, we're kind of already pretty committed here to Carolina in game four. I don't want to put another unit into play here, knowing that, you know, again, if we win, that's great. And it will be great for our futures purposes here. But if we lose, you know, we're still in decent shape, right? We still have a home game for game five, and then we get a second chance here at another win in Tampa for Carolina. And I'm kind of okay with that. I'm kind of okay. I'm pretty okay with just having that game exist as 
part of the full series, right? And we sort of talked about how there would be series where we're not going to bet very many, you know, very much with regards to game to game. That would be the Colorado Vegas series. Uh, that would be the Boston and New York series because, again, we have such good prices on the, you know, each one of those teams to win their series and get out of their division. This one, along with Montreal and Winnipeg, was going to be more of a game-to-game potential type situation. And so, you know, but at that same time, we've bet them, you know, we've bet the first three games. It has gone poorly in the first two and well in in the third. But by the way, all told, like, we're talking about 1.85 expected goals for at even strength for Carolina and 1.82 for Tampa Bay. Like, again, this is an incredibly even series that could have easily gone to overtime in all three games. Certainly game one, if it wasn't for a soft goal, being the game winner for Tampa Bay, that probably goes to overtime a lot of the time. And of course, yesterday's does as well. Meanwhile, like the biggest goal expectation differential was game two with Carolina at 1.95 and Tampa at 1.16 where they didn't lose. Uh, Or yeah, where Tampa Bay didn't lose. So, Again, a uh, pass for me when it comes to Saturday night, Saturday night, Saturday afternoon. I'm mixing up which games are actually being played in, in a row there because I believe one's at four and one's around seven. Um, but again, fundamentally, uh, let's just let that series price ride. Right, if we end up getting a 2-2 here, that obviously means we're guaranteed a game six, which going into yesterday, right? Like we're just like, get me to game six, get me to game six. If we get that win on Saturday, we're going to get ourselves to game six. So that's how uh, I'm going to play that one. As far as tonight and sort of subsequently on Sunday, because both of these matchups, of course, play again on Sunday before we'll get our another chance to talk here. Montreal and Winnipeg tonight. Uh, my number here is Montreal minus 135. It's the same number that I had for that first game. And essentially, when we're sort of cooking up this number, I'm taking what we were giving Winnipeg credit for, for the rest advantage. And that's the, cr- I'm going to give them the same credit for having lost that first game or sort of that bounce back element, right? The same thing that we just talked about with regards to Tampa having lost uh, the previous game, right? I'm going to sort of replace that. So the number ends up being the exact same at uh, minus 135. So what, you know, what does that mean going into this game, right? We're looking at Montreal at minus 105, obviously not nearly as good of a price as the plus 120 and the plus 130 from game one. But there's still some value there on Montreal. But this is, again, within the context of a bigger thing. And that's Montreal winning this series and our desire for them to do so. And so I want to quickly talk about, like, what does good mean when it comes to Montreal? Because I'm not going to bet the side here because, you know, again, maybe if it was plus 110. But even then, I don't necessarily know, right? Like, this feels like the game that Winnipeg would get because of all of these other sort of elements here and the do-or-die nature of this game for them. Now, could they end up getting swept? Absolutely, right? But when it comes to Montreal and sort of backing Montreal without backing Montreal, I think the under here is a decent play. And I mean, listen, that's not necessarily rocket science. It's the favored side here. It's minus 135. But we see in this game, in this first game, I wrote for the the Action Network about this game. This was my preview for tonight. Um, The under five and a half, just the idea of being really good. And I made this sort of outrageous comparison that, you know, hopefully nobody takes literally, but like, you know, Carey Price in the 2014 Olympics. And 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 I use that Team Canada you know, maybe not as much as I should or as much as I think about it, because that was a year where nobody talks about that team winning the gold medal because it was kind of this incredibly boring tournament where Canada just just absolutely boa constricted every single team that they played. And of course, they were the better, more talented team. But, you know, we talk about variance, right? And like if you play an open style of hockey you know, from a talent standpoint in a one game situation, like that can kind of go awry, right? Whereas if you just boa constrict a team and you just rely on your guys to convert the relatively few chances, right? If they, if the other team gets two high danger chances in a game and you get five, obviously we're talking about a pretty boring game, but if your players are really, really good, you're probably going to convert one out of those five. Whereas the other team, you know, they're only getting two chances. They're probably not going to put much on the scoreboard. And that's what Canada did in that Olympics, right? It just absolutely bow constrictor teams. And Carey Price was the goaltender, and this was peak Carey Price. And so, like, you know, they basically went and said, okay, you're not going to score 
on us and like we're pretty sure that we have good enough players that one way or another and maybe it's just power play only type of thing that we're all we're going to get one or two goals and that's going to be good enough and if we get a third goal here that's going to feel like 15 goals so you know montreal obviously not the same level of talent but certainly like that's how they're trying to play these games and we saw it in game seven against toronto where again boa constrictor version you know, Toronto only gets one high danger chance in the entire game. And then two days later, Winnipeg only gets two high danger chances at even strength in the entire game. And, you know, sure enough, like Winnipeg get, excuse me, Montreal gets a handful of goals in the first period. You know, they give up a shorthanded goal and, you know, they're up three to one. And that game was just three to one right throughout the entire game. And then, of course, Winnipeg gets a goal because, you know, Winnipeg does what Winnipeg does where they, you know, issue high danger chances they don't even get one and they still end up scoring a goal to make it three to two and then things get a little loose obviously towards the end and we end up with this five three game where you go i watched that game that game is a three to one game and you know when i reference that game i reference it as sort of a pace you know a three to one type of a game type of a pace so you know i think that's replicable right i think mark shifley being suspended for four games which you know quick side note on that Felt a little high based on kind of what I was, you know, I would say expecting, but I would say hoping, because obviously I'm hoping he gets more, you know, throw him out for the rest of the entire series, right? And maybe that ends up being the case retroactively. But, you know, when I, you know, I kind of thought, okay, two or three sounds right. They give him four. All right, fine. That's great news for us, right? And also creates an, an excuse for the people who bet Winnipeg, who, you know, probably should realize right now that win or lose, like the odds don't make any sense on Winnipeg. Uh, but I digress. So, you know, obviously that's not going to help Winnipeg score having one of their best players out. And I look back to last year's playoffs and I think people obviously forget because it was qualifying round. There was a billion games going on. You know, Winnipeg played Calgary in that qualifying round and they were without Patrick Laine and Mark Scheifele plays uh, two minutes and 59 seconds of game one and then gets hurt and is out for the rest of the series. And the rest of the series is 4-1 to one Calgary, 3-2 uh, to two Winnipeg, where they scored two goals from their bottom six to force overtime, and then got a power play goal in overtime, or was it overtime, or was it late in, game, late in the third period, um, to get 3-2 to, uh, to two win. And then 6-2 to two Calgary, 4 to nothing Calgary. And, of course, everybody's, you know, tripping over themselves about Connor Hellebuck in the playoffs, and he's so great. Well, he goes, three, you know, 3.04 uh, goals against average and a .904 save percentage, which is not very good. So, if we're talking about, like, the head of the snake type of a situation, like, Mark Shifley might be that guy for Winnipeg. So, you know, is the market correcting accordingly because of Shifley are they correcting because Montreal is just a better team and again when we're talking better right it doesn't always mean more talented or like higher scoring right we get caught up in these teams that score a lot of goals and when you watch Winnipeg like you can get you know they play a relatively exciting brand of hockey they give up a lot of chances they take they get a lot of chances or they try to get a lot of chances and you know the thing that we don't like about them is that they give up more than they get but because they have high-end talent they're able to convert those chances right we talk about that all the time but it doesn't mean they're actually good right it means they're entertaining they may be fun to watch they may have some fun games they may play a six to five game and that might sort of make you believe that they're really good but like discipline, structure, and taking advantage of the other team's mistakes are what really makes a good hockey team. And Montreal is doing that right now. Now, if they advance and get to Colorado, that's going to be a whole different situation here, right? So don't get me wrong. This isn't a like, they're really good and nobody knows it. It's more like they're pretty good and the market hasn't attached you know, an appropriate rating to them. And we know that because we've been talking about that for two weeks. And so are we getting closer here? Was there ever going to be a situation where they were going to be minus 135 on the road? And the answer to that's probably not, right? Even though that was the situation during the regular season, they would be road favorites against Winnipeg early on in the season because, you know, again, the metrics uh, say that they should be. And because public perception is such, like they're not, they're never going to be allowed to be because people are going to look at Winnipeg and be like, plus 110 on Winnipeg at home, like I'll take that. And so what's the purpose of leaving yourself open to 
you know, that vulnerability if you're a sports book, right? It's why there were, people were pouring in money on Winnipeg in that first game, but it never got to the level of like a minus 150, minus 160, minus, I guess it got to minus 150, but like minus 160, minus 170. Like I'll compare that to Boston and Washington from the first round where it got that high because they just had to keep moving Boston up and up and up because the books knew that Boston was good enough to win that game. In that game one against Montreal, you know, the books are fine just leaving Winnipeg there and going like, pile on in on Winnipeg. Go for it. Go nuts. And I think that's probably the same situation here, right? But of course, they had to make that adjustment going into this game because this is the response game, right? Who has that reply? Does Hellebuck have that reply? Do they? Does he have his best game of this series, right? Did the Jets as a whole have a reply? You know, we always talk about sort of the fallen star concept, right? Did the Habs have a reply because their guy's the one who got hurt in all of this? So for me, there's just a lot going on here. So I rather just kind of go with something that's a little bit more certain that doesn't have, uh, that, that the desperation factor actually helps the bet. And that's with under five and a half here, even at the juiced up price. And so if we get a 2-1, 3-2 type of win here for Montreal, that's outstanding, right? Again, we'll take what looks to be a relatively easy series victory if that ends up being the case. If Winnipeg wins, and again, hopefully if they do, it's a 3-2, 2-1, 3-1 type of a situation. If they do, that's only going to create more value on Montreal for game three and for the series price. Like, I will come back in on Montreal on that series price. I will come back on Montreal in game three. I'll probably do that regardless because again, if Montreal wins today and maybe it's, you know, maybe it's a, uh, from a metric standpoint, maybe it's a blowout for Montreal, maybe it's not. But as we look towards game three here, my number for Montreal at home is minus 166. So whether it's minus 135 on the road and you're sitting there going like, that's insane. Like, was it so insane in game one? Like, was it? Or are we crazy like a fox? So, you know, whether it's game one or game two, obviously game two having all of these extra elements to it, or game three with minus, 160, uh, minus 166, like, I think that's the appropriate number from a win probability standpoint. And so if, you know, Montreal wins tonight, maybe it gets that high, in which case we're a fair price. If it gets to minus 170 or something like that, then okay, like maybe it's probably gone too far and we just let that ride. But if Winnipeg wins tonight, I imagine this ending up a lot lower than minus 166. And from a comparison standpoint, right, look at it this way. If right now the the quote-unquote correct price for Montreal at Winnipeg is in fact minus 105, right, around even money, that's obviously very similar to Tampa Bay and Carolina. So Tampa Bay is minus 105, minus 100, or plus 100, sort of depending on, you know, your your choice there. Um, same means the same thing. Um, and then of course, you know, scene shifts to Tampa Bay, and the number goes all the way up to you know plus 150 and minus 170 for Tampa Bay. Could that be the exact same thing for Montreal? Like why wouldn't it be? Now it'll probably and you know they'll probably have learned their lesson from Carolina and Tampa Bay and the line will probably be closer to where it is now with Carolina and Tampa Bay with Tampa Bay being minus 155 and Carolina being plus 135. I imagine that's going to be the price for Montreal, but anything lower than that, again, with a loss is very, a very real possibility. So, um, you know, all that is to say kind of doesn't really matter what's going to happen tonight. I'm backing Montreal in game three, because again, if Montreal wins this game, that feels a little dead man walking for a Winnipeg team that we saw last year. And those two key um, scores that I gave you, right, six to two and four nothing in those last two games. And that was in a 1-1 series, right? That game three was in a 1-1 series and that game four, a do or die game in a 2-1 series, right? If they can't play, if Winnipeg can't play without Shifley, the way that they showed that they couldn't play without Shifley against Calgary, right? A team who then subsequently got dusted pretty quickly by Dallas. And then, you know, we saw what they were capable of or not capable of this season, right? It's not like some great team smoked them, right? And so it's not like we have to sort of worry about that, um, you know, concerning type of a situation. Um, so again, all about Montreal going forward, not really all that surprising. What might be surprising? Well, maybe not, because I think we've talked about it a handful of times here. Vegas and Colorado tonight. Again, my number is Colorado minus 107, Vegas plus 107. So again, we had a plus 105 that we talked about yesterday that was out there. Not surprisingly, that's been bet to plus 100. 
even money on Vegas. I think still a pretty fair price, right? And we have to talk about the concept of fear, right? The fear of betting against Colorado. But that's what we have the metrics for, right? Like that's why we rely on that as our basis where otherwise we're just kind of guessing. We're just kind of being worried. And, you know, they played much better in that game, uh, in game two, Vegas did. But, you know, you're still terrified of the Colorado power play, and I completely understand that. But we're looking at averages here of Vegas 1.64 expected goals for to Colorado 1.08 and 14 to 13 in the high danger chances here cumulatively for these first two games, right? And obviously Vegas much better in that second game, hit a bunch of posts. So from an eye test standpoint, it's certainly... Um, you know, very foreseeable that people would like Vegas in this game. So I don't think that it's all that surprising. And again, people like Vegas as a sort of their second favorite team, if you will. People like them this season. They were the second favorite to win the Stanley Cup, maybe third, depending on how people felt about Toronto. How well did that go? Um, but fundamentally for this game and for this series, there's two things here. One you know, I like Colorado a lot. We know that. Uh, I like them a lot in the next round, whether it's the Jets or Montreal, as you know, as highly as we think of Montreal. And maybe there'll be spots where we're betting Montreal in games to force that to maybe a sixth game or something along those lines. But, you know, there's also a very real possibility that, again, as we talked about before the season or before the postseason here, before the playoffs started, this is going to be the best team that Colorado plays up until the final. And, you know, we were waiting to see who the underdog, who the Cinderella team was going to be. And it, again, it's either going to be Winnipeg or Montreal, right? It's why we have this, it's how we have this split now where we actually have a true bracket. We know that Colorado is going to play either of these teams, again, assuming Colorado advances. So there's a very real possibility they sweep either of those teams, right? And so looking at it sort of big picture here, are they going to sweep the entire way? to the Stanley Cup finals, like that doesn't really seem all that likely. So what's the game that they're going to lose? Well, it's probably going to be one on the road against a team who has played competitively. And again, get the seven to one loss out of your mind from a score standpoint, look deeper into it. These games have been competitive, right? Robin Leonard, thankfully not walking through that door for Vegas. And so um, I'm taking Vegas here again, talked about it the last couple of days, shouldn't be all that surprising. But at, even at even money, um, I'm fine with taking Vegas here. Uh, if it gets to a game four, right, which happens on Sunday, right, we should sort of pre-address that. Like, I don't know that I'm necessarily looking to back Vegas if they lose. I'm certainly not looking to do it if they win. So that's probably a stay away kind of in either situation. Because, again, if Colorado wins, just, you know, let's just close this thing out, take our money from the uh, West Division futures bet, and, you know, go on to the next round. And, of course, obviously our plus 500 Stanley Cup bet is still very much in play and looking really, really good for a team that right now is, like, almost even money at this point at plus 125, plus 120 in some places to win the Stanley Cup at this point. So, you know, again, that our investment in Colorado is less about getting a bunch of money as the playoffs are going through, but hopefully cashing something in the end when all this is said and done and then more specifically the other thing for tonight's game stay out of the box vegas right like six power play opportunities for colorado in those first two games obviously way way too much does playing at home mean they're going to take less penalties you know, you're not going to get the crowd reaction that maybe, you know, gets one penalty call. You might get one on your own side of things. You know, six power plays is just way too many to give a Colorado team that is absolutely filthy when it comes to the power play. So um, hopefully those, you know, that makes a ton of sense for you throughout the weekend. Again, a lot of the stuff here because of the nature of this series bets or the, the division bets, I should say, you know, that's set up more... Uh, investment in these series than we normally would, right? Normally we might have some, you know, Western Conference or an Eastern Conference future, and that just hasn't been the case this season because that ha that's not a thing that exists. And so it's just sort of a weird situation from that standpoint. Um, as for the National Basketball Association, last night just putting a stake in the heart of two 
honestly two bets that just kind of deserved better and so the first one obviously Denver and Portland and our guy Dame Lillard again just dragging that team around they have a six seven point lead at halftime and the second half just goes completely awry because the guy just can't do it himself and there's nothing wrong with that but you go into this series and you look at these two teams and you go okay Dame Lillard's got CJ McCollum who allegedly is good uh you know he's they've got uh you know, uh, Nurkic to guard Jokic. And you're like, okay, like not, I, not an ideal matchup, but like not many teams even have that enough, you know, to guard him and say, okay, but like, that's something. And then of course you've got the other offensive guys, right? You got Melo, you got a defensive guy in Covington who I like a ton, you know, and you just go, okay, well, who else does Denver have? And it's like Michael Porter Jr. And Monte Morris off the bench. And as much as I like Monte Morris from you know back in the day with the Iowa State teams that were really, really good a few years ago, it's just like he doesn't even start. Like it's not like they think that much of him. They start the, you know, the Argentinian guy or, you know, whatever. And who is afraid to shoot, and rightfully so, because he's not good at shooting. And, you know, the rest of that team. You could put that team up with the team that played last year and made it to the conference finals. And it's literally the only guy who is still around is Jokic. Obviously, Jamal Murray's still around, but on the sideline with the torn ACL. And you just go, I don't get how they make this happen. And so uh, Terry Stotts has to go. Um, CJ McCollum has to go. Uh, you know, I mean, Carmelo is what he is at this point. Like, I don't know if we're relying on him, but like, feel free to make a shot, Carmelo. Um, so again, incredibly frustrating for those of us who... Um, I don't want to say blindly back Dame Lillard, but certainly expect more out of Portland with a guy that good as the centerpiece. Um, Phoenix and LA, right? We talked about it yesterday. And Anthony Davis, again, like, do we want to like mess around with trying to figure out who's going to play and who's not going to play? Well, Anthony Davis plays. People get excited. There was some huge bet um, reported about you know betting on the Lakers at minus two. The number goes up to minus three. And then Anthony Davis, like it, it's instantly instantly obvious that he's not good enough to go uh, on that groin and of course the first real like sprint and jump that he has to do goes incredibly poorly and he's out and they were already down I mean you know, listen you can come back from 14 to 5 or whatever the score was when he got hurt but you know again healthy Anthony Davis they had a 2-1 series lead now all of a sudden they lose three straight games right and it's like it's not all that complicated, right? You get Sometimes you get screwed by these injuries. That being said, credit where it's due, and we'll talk to him and allow him a victory lap on Monday because that's why we bring guests on. And I sort of talk about this all the time about how, you know, we'll get people on to talk about football. We'll get people on to talk about college basketball. We'll even get people on to talk about hockey just to get a different frame of reference. But that's what we do here. Right. Like those are the sports that I've got handled. That's the existence of this podcast is to be essentially a format for me to talk about those sports from an expertise betting standpoint. Right. And when we bring somebody else in to talk about anything other than those three sports, it's because I want to listen to them. Right. Like I want to learn from what they're saying. I want to get caught up on what's going on based on the fact that they've been paying attention. So Sheldon comes on and he tweeted out a clip about this and I retweeted it, but like he nailed it. He's like, I don't want anything to do with the Lakers. I don't, I don't think that Anthony Davis is just all of a sudden going to be healthy. Same thing with LeBron. Like, you know, sell, sell, sell is what he said. Like <laughs> quote, right. And like, yeah, that was more of obviously a long-term type of a thing with all of these other teams that are sort of capable and it wasn't like put the house on Phoenix by any means or, or anything like that. It was really just like, okay, these other teams are going to be more competitive than we think. And the Lakers are going to be less competitive. And, you know, obviously there's a ton of reasons why they ended up in that play in tournament. Right. But, but fundamentally, you know, you can do the Bill Parcells. They are what they say you are. They're still the seventh best team, right? They're the seventh best team. They were in the seven, you know, the two seven matchup and they weren't the two. And so, yeah, they have LeBron and they have Anthony Davis, but you could see when one of those guys goes down, the rest, it's pretty rough. It is pretty rough out there, right? And we joked with Sheldon about Alex Caruso and all these other guys, but like, it's a tough scene when one of those two guys isn't available or even is compromised. And I think obviously LeBron certainly was compromised as well. So, you know, that sucks. Again, I still think they win that series if both those guys um, stay even kind of healthy. 
And on the flip side, right, Chris Paul all of a sudden is just back and he's okay, you know, or good enough for the rest of the way. And so, again, who knows how these things sort of shake down, right? We'll talk about, you know, Clippers and Mavs here tonight where it's like, okay, I mean, it's the one game tonight in the NBA. It's the one series left going. There's a very decent, obviously, possibility that this goes to game seven. I would love to bet on both those games, right? Like just from a like entertainment standpoint, which again is fundamentally what we're doing when it comes to the NBA, because we know going in that this is not our bread and butter. But like, you know what? I'm going to trust either of these teams. I'm going to trust Luka Doncic's like cervical issue that like it's fine one day. It's such a, it's brutal the next, right? Like, I don't know. I've had bad back issues. I know that some days you feel great and some days you feel like shit. And you know, I don't really want to bet on that one way or another. And then forget about like his injury issues. I don't want to bet on the Clippers to do anything. I don't want the Clip. I don't even want to bet on the Clippers to disappoint because sometimes they don't. And you know, they, in the two times they played in Dallas, they haven't. And so I just, and I don't want to watch this game because like the Clippers are just a hideous brand of basketball and like that kind of drags down whoever their opponent is. And so to be honest with you, I kind of just want Dallas to win the series from a like viewer standpoint, because I just don't want the Clippers to, um, you know, ruin the next series from a viewing standpoint, right? Like as crazy as it sounds like, I just think Utah Dallas is a more interesting, um, you know, just a prettier series to watch than anything that the Clippers bring to the table. So like F them from that standpoint for Saturday. Um, we get the, the, essentially, I mean, listen, a lot of people are going like, especially now the Lakers out and all of that sort of thing. And like the Jazz are the heavy favorite to win the West. And like, yes, we were probably sleeping on the Jazz and we should have seen that before the playoffs started, right? Where all of this energy gets put towards the LA teams. And meanwhile, the Jazz just sit there going like, hey, we've won a bunch of games in a row earlier this season. We have the number one seed. Normally, that's a pretty good indication that we're a good team in the NBA, right? If we were named a different team, if we had different jerseys on, you guys would be tripping all over us. Instead, we're not. not. And so now all of this stuff happens in the first round. We go, oh yeah, the Jazz, they kind of have everything. Like, you know, what would you, what else do you want, right? Like you've got a star in the making in Donovan Mitchell. You've got a defensive presence in Rudy Gobert that's different than anybody else. Um, but, you know, with apologies to them still, Milwaukee and Brooklyn here, I think, is the series in the playoffs. And again, sometimes that ends up in the finals. Sometimes that ends up in the conference finals. A lot of the time that ends up in the conference finals. And it just so happens that because of the weird season here, that this might be the situation for the second round. And so here's my theory, and we'll sort of go you know, forwards, and then we'll go backwards with it a little bit here. I think the Bucks get one in Brooklyn. I think they win one of the first two games in Brooklyn, and that shouldn't come as much of a surprise. But in order to do so, I think that they need a bad offensive night from the Brooklyn Nets, right? I think that's the way that they win games here. So... You know, how, what, what does that look like? Does it, you know, does it come in the form of an injury? Does it come in the form of somebody shutting somebody down? Or does it just come in the form of a bad shooting night for the Nets, right? It doesn't really matter. The point is, is that instead of just, you know, in theory, if this was a hockey game, right, I would just bet the money line for Milwaukee. Uh, and I would say to you, right, like, hey, there's two games here. It's plus 150, plus one whatever on the money line. We'll bet it twice. You know, if the first one hits, then we'll stay away from the second. If the, if not, we'll bet the second one, and hopefully I'm right, and we'll end up, you know, worst case scenario, quote unquote, up a half unit. You've heard me say that a bunch of times, especially during this hockey season where two teams would go up against each other on back-to-back nights. Because I think that the key to Milwaukee winning any game in this series is defense, I'm going to take the under, and I'm going to parlay that with the money line. And we get almost close to plus 400. It was actually plus 400 earlier on this week. It's now dipped a little bit below that. You can get plus 386. If anything in the plus 380s is, is pretty much industry standard at this point with under 239 and the Milwaukee money line. And so if Milwaukee doesn't win either of these games, I'll be down two units. Okay. Like that would be the situation if I was betting on the money line, um, you, know, you know, the way that I just sort of described. But if we get one out of these two, instead of being up half of a unit, winning a plus 150 and losing a unit in the other game, we're going to be up 
you know, almost four units. And then again, if we did it the second time down a unit there, so we'll be up three units if that ends up being the case. So I'd rather take that same risk that we always have with this theory. And again, maybe it's wrong. Maybe we lose two units. It's betting, right? That's going to happen. But if I'm right, then, you know, obviously we're in way better shape going and expanding out, right? If we, if we think Milwaukee is going to win one of these first two games, then I think obviously there's a ton of value on the series price at plus 175. Now this got to as high as plus 190 before people were like, well, that's just too high. And this number's come back to plus 175. So again, I think that's worth a bet. But where I think it's also be, also becomes a little bit more interesting here, and this is sort of a work backwards, right? What if this series goes seven games? Well, two different things here. One, the money line right now is plus 150 for a game in Brooklyn. I imagine three ga or you know three games apiece, an evenly played series, isn't going to result in um, you know Brooklyn being that much more of a favorite just because it's game seven. But we'll have the series price at plus 175, which is better than plus 150. But if we get to a game six here, and again, you know part of the premise here is that the Milwaukee Bucks take one of these first two games. If Milwaukee wins the series, don't they, I don't want to use the word need, but I'm going to use the word need just for the sake of, you know, whatever ease. Don't they need to win this in six? Doesn't it have to kind of happen where they get one of the first two games and then everything else just kind of plays out home team, home team, home team. And then they have their opportunity to win it on home court in game six. I feel like that's the case. So I think there's actually some value in Milwaukee minus one and a half on the series price. Now, again, it's not Milwaukee in six specific. So they could win the series in five. They could pull off two wins at Brooklyn. Maybe the defense is that good and they sweep them somehow, right? Like crazier things I suppose have happened. So minus one and a half here, I think is in a, in a, in a way actually kind of a better number than the plus 175 because you know while we'd still have a tiny bit of value on milwaukee plus 175 going into a game seven um you know you get into the conspiracy version right where it's like okay like the nba doesn't really have any reason to um you know enhance milwaukee's chances right whereas with brooklyn you know from a market standpoint from a star standpoint they kind of do Right. And obviously home co home court being what it is as well can affect the refereeing as well. So minus one and a half here, I think, is a better, longer shot than even the series price, even though I'm fine with backing either. And then we can draw things out even further and we go, OK, what about the futures prices on Milwaukee? And you go, if this is the series, if you will, then why aren't we just backing Milwaukee in the NBA championship, for example, right? At plus 600, because if they get there, aren't they going to be, you know, favored or even just to win the conference? And let's start kind of, not start there, but sort of focus there where they're plus 260. So again, you know, is that better than plus 225 for minus one and a half? No, but at the same time, what's it going to take for that to be valuable, right? So they win this series and, you know, again, the series price right now is plus 175. So what does that mean for the next round for this to be valuable, right? So to get to plus 260, the next round, they would have to be minus 330 against either Philly or Atlanta. Well, you know, against Philly, I suppose it's possible that they'd be minus 330. Of course, the opinion of people is going to be a lot, you know, people's opinion is going to be a lot higher on the Brooklyn Nets because they just beat, or excuse me, uh, of the Milwaukee Bucks because they just beat the Brooklyn Nets, right? And so, like, it might get up to minus 330, in which case, like, all's fair in love and war. There's also the element of what if Atlanta knocks off Philadelphia because Embiid doesn't come back and things don't go particularly well, which of course we're going to talk about that series here next. And I don't necessarily think that's going to be the case, but again, injury issues being what they are, you never know. Well, now all of a sudden, you know, Milwaukee is going to be like a minus four, minus 500 type of a price in that case, right? So there's options where this becomes valuable and there's certainly a possibility where at the worst case scenario, it's just kind of an appropriate price. 
So, I mean, you have to sort of make your decision on, okay, how much am I spreading around here? This guy just talked about a plus 260 on the on the Eastern Conference. He even just threw around a plus 600 to win the title. He's, you know, got plus 175 talk. We're talking, we're doing some, you know, money line under parlays, all of that sort of thing, right? So you don't want to be, be over leveraged because fundamentally we're probably fading the best team in the league. So you don't want to go nuts here necessarily, right? But you want to be, if we're right, you want to be able to sort of, you know, pay yourself for it without taking too much of a hit if we're wrong, right? Like this might be the shot when it comes to, um, you know, these bets. And again, we're talking underdogs right across the board here, right? Underdog price on the series, underdog price on the games, like the probability is that it's going to lose. So obviously tread carefully from that standpoint, but that's just at least a decent idea of the mathematical breakdown. For Sunday's game, with regards to, we got the Atlanta Hawks here and the Philadelphia 76ers. So, talked about how the Hawks at, you know, 15 to 1, you know, there's some value potentially there. And I heard some other people sort of talking about how there wasn't value because, you know, you're probably going to do better when it comes to pricing out um, you know, this series, right? You would need, you know, it's, you know, 15 to one is essentially the same thing as a parlay of Atlanta beating Philly and Atlanta knocking off whoever the next team is. And, you know, I was, I was sort of like, okay, well, it doesn't really matter here who the next team is going to be. Like, it's going to be, you know, not something, it's not something that we're going to let ride here. We're going to come back. Oh, we're just trying to get a discount on whoever that other team ends up being by having Atlanta in our in our pocket right and my theory was that the price is going to be lower on atlanta for this next round than i think you know the general population thinks and that's actually been the case and it's been the case so much so that now i'm sitting here and two things have happened since we talked about this thing number one is the price has obviously changed and we're looking at a hawks plus 160 and Philadelphia minus 180, which is way lower, right? It's a way lower discrepancy than we thought it would be. And so think about it this way, right? So if 15 to 1 is the overall price on the two game parlay, and that's already been dipped down to 13 to 1, but when we talked about it, it was 15 to 1. Plus 160 on the Hawks here means that the next round for it to be equal value to a 15 to 1 overall thing, right? The parlay of plus 160 to something to equal, right? You know, plus 160 times X equals 15 to 1. That price has to be plus 515 in the next round. So if you think to yourself, you know, do your own guessing on this. If Brooklyn you know, survives Milwaukee and gets to this next round at full health, what's the price of that series going to be? Just sort of think about that for a second. Do do just guess right now. Like, what do you think the price is going to be, right? For it to even get close to 515, uh, it has to be, five, you know, it has to be plus 515 for Milwaukee, uh, or excuse me, for Atlanta. So Brooklyn minus 700, Atlanta plus 500, like, does that seem right-ish to you, or does that seem a little bit high? You know, shouldn't it be maybe minus 600 plus 400, something along those lines? What about the idea that it might be a Milwaukee, right? Obviously a team not rated as highly as Brooklyn. So it's certainly probably, I shouldn't say certainly probably, it's, you know, it's probably not going to be minus 700 plus 500. So, you know, I think we were right in backing Atlanta theoretically at 15 to one based on the numbers that have popped up. That being said, based on the actual numbers that have popped up. The second thing is that Philadelphia looked pretty good without Joel Embiid, right? We talked about that before, what was it, game five of the Washington series, where we're like, okay, like there's some uncertainty, we don't really know. Now it's been one game, so the uncertainty is, you know, hasn't become certain all of a sudden, but it's certain they're certainly capable of scoring. Um, again, it was Washington, meh. Right. But at the same time, what do we really know about Atlanta now? So from a financial or, or, or mathematical standpoint, the 15 to one made sense. But from a basketball standpoint, all we did was watch Atlanta beat up a pretty crappy New York Knicks team. Right. Like that was the takeaway. Right. The two, there was two takeaways. One, Trey Young's awesome and super fun and good for him for trash talking New York and backing it up. Takeaway number two is the Knicks were not ready for prime time. All right. So all of a sudden, 
you know, I'm not thinking, I'm still, I'm still not sold on Atlanta in the same way I wasn't sold on them going into the playoffs here, thinking that this series had some value to go seven games at plus 400. So now I'm looking at this series and I'm going like, okay, as much as like, I think the 15 to one makes sense, minus 180 for Philly is way lower than I thought it was going to be. So, and that's, you know, again, with Joel Embiid, with, without Joel Embiid. Now, of course, that brings us to the game one price here, which is Philly minus two and a half, which again, seems really low, but of course that's factoring in Embiid probably not playing in this first game. But here's the thing, you know, we know that he's not going to play, or at least like we can, it's pretty clear that that price is with him not going to play. So it's been factored into the market, right? This number is probably five, five and a half, six, if he, if he's fully healthy and he never got, never gotten hurt. So, you know, from just a betting standpoint, like, what do we know? Well, we know he's out. We know the price has factored that in. And then what, then what else do we know? Well, we know that they're at least capable without him because we saw that in game five and again that was against a wizards team that wasn't very good and was probably you know one two three cancooning but you know minus two and a half like that seems like a really decent discount still it doesn't seem like atlanta is some guaranteed victory here on the road just because they went on the road and beat a knicks team that isn't half the team that this sixers team is so i'm betting philadelphia minus two and a half in that game one because I think we're getting a discount that everybody is aware of and that everybody has sort of pushed down. Now, maybe this pops back up because people realize, okay, like we've gone too far with this. Or maybe even Embiid plays. Maybe, you know, he was warming up the other day. Maybe there's a possibility that he plays, in which case, like, minus two and a half is a phenomenal number, right? The point is, is like, if it goes any lower than that, I think that's a mistake. And I think it's kind of a mistake right now at minus two and a half. And so, you know, it ipso facto it makes me like minus 180 even more if i'm thinking that philadelphia is going to have a game one lead uh, or a series one nothing lead right so you know that's sort of the play that i'm looking to make come sunday so i realize that's sort of like counterintuitive to what we talked about before but again things have changed since we had that discussion about the atlanta hawks speaking of discussions and the atlanta hawks we're gonna have sheldon back on monday he'll again we'll, we'll do he'll do his victory lap on the lakers but more more importantly or more excitingly uh we'll get to talk about game one of milwaukee and brooklyn a game that of course he's very interested in we do did sort of an elaborate pre-preview on Monday's show. You can go back and check that out if you missed Monday's episode. Uh, of course, I'll have the NHL recap from everything that happened between now and then. And then we'll look at Utah and either the Clippers or Dallas, and we will look at uh, what Phoenix and Denver doesn't start until Monday, which is a bit of a surprise. So we'll have at least two series that we can, you know, truly preview and we'll have two series that we'll have a game one under our belt that we can you know dig in with sheldon to see what he thinks uh, about those games as always guys do me a favor share the podcast around throw a rating in there hopefully we've won you some money here in the last few weeks always nice to hear that from listeners and the followers at mrus authentic on twitter until monday i'll see you at the window